This is Sam Darmasena, and you're listening to CGRU 1280 AM here in Toronto. This story is part of the Local Journalism Initiative. It's impossible to, to separate the two. And when we look at mental health, you know, race is always a variable. And a nation that is dominated by whiteness. That's Dr. Valerie Borum, director of Ryerson's School of Social Work. She conducts research from a womanist and Afrocentric perspective and continues to explore the role of ethnoculture in health, mental health, and disability. She looks at hearing Black families with deaf and hard of hearing children, suicide in African American communities, as well as looking at the role of whiteness as it pertains to anti Black racism, marginalization, and oppression. She reminds me that the reason race becomes a variable in mental health is because our society has made it that way. We need to begin to shift our focus away from that somehow or another my blackness or the fact that I am considered to be a member of a particular racial group, that that in itself places me at risk. It's the responses to my blackness, to my group membership that would place me at risk. In September, the Public Health Agency of Canada announced an $11.5 million investment in mental health supports for Canadians. From this, $4.9 million is earmarked for the Mental Health of Black Canadians Fund. This fund allows community-based organizations, researchers, and others in Black communities to support the development and implementation of culturally focused mental health programs for Black Canadians. In the Greater Toronto Area, which is home to the largest Black population in the country, This funding is being allocated to Women's Health and Women's Hands Community Health Centre, Black Creek Community Health Centre, Black Health Alliance, and Taibu Community Health Centre. I spoke with Dr. Borum not because she's a recipient of the fund, but because her work was born out of a similar gap in knowledge. And she's well aware of the consequences when these gaps are ignored in the realm of social work. She tells me about this barrier in her work studying hearing Black families with deaf and hard of hearing children. I noticed that What I was learning, you know, the textbooks, the articles, the frameworks, that the body of work pertaining to deafness, deaf, you know, uh, children, uh, parenting, uh, it, it was all based on white middle class experiences and values. Because I was simultaneously working in the school setting with predominantly Black and Latinx uh, deaf children and their families. The information in class didn't compute with the, my experiences or the experiences of deaf children of color and families. And so I went on to Howard University where I, I received my PhD and I focused my dissertation looking at African-American in particular, but also um, Afro- Hispanics or uh, Black Hispanics, Afro, uh, Latinx, uh, families with deaf and hard of hearing children, just to add to the the literature because there was um, a glaring gap. Dr. Borum tells me that culture helps to inform many perceptions of mental health and help-seeking behavior. Those are some of the glaring gaps that she was noticing in her area of study. There are cultural beliefs around medication. There are cultural beliefs and experiences pertaining to whether or not you would even trust psychiatry, right? And other uh, systems within, uh, uh, say, hospitalization, mental health, um, or, or it's, it's individual therapy or psychotherapy. 
When these cultural beliefs aren't accounted for by mental health supports, it forces Black clients to navigate what Dr. Borum describes as a multi-consciousness. For people of African descent and white-dominated societies, uh, there's sort of um, also this double consciousness. It's actually more of a multi-consciousness that has to take place in sort of navigating all of the different sort of worldview aspects of living Black life within this context. Dr. Borm quotes American writer James Baldwin as a reminder that language is ultimately a product of culture, so being understood can become a challenge for Black clients when social work is anchored in whiteness and white experiences. Language provides us the framework to interpret our reality. Right. And so when we think that, okay, we're both speaking, that everyone is speaking the same English language, that's impossible. Right. Because as James Baldwin states, we cannot possibly be speaking the same language because we have different lives uh, and different realities to interpret. Right. And so that when I speak a particular language um, that's based in, say, persons of African descent uh, in the U.S., Um, it's a different worldview. It's a different structure, you know, in terms of grammar, you know, it's all, it's different, right? And then when I'm speaking with um, someone, say, of the dominant uh, culture, um, I have to switch my worldview. I have to switch my language. And in switching my language, I'm switching to another cultural um, way of, uh, of thinking and knowledge, even though I don't necessarily become that, right? But I have to be able to pivot. On top of recognizing that race is a variable to the mental health of Canadians, Dr. Borum urges her peers to recognize the impact of anti-Black racism on mental health. We have to begin to look at racism as a broader sociocultural risk factor that impacts an entire population. And that's not to say that, you know, people of African descent or Black people are overwhelmed by racism, but that it does have an impact. And so it's sort of making sure that we do not view Blackness in itself as a risk factor. Like, you'll see that what's a risk factor for you know, depression, or what's a risk risk factor for uh, particular health issues. And we'll say that, you know, race is a risk factor, but race in itself, the richness of melanin is not a risk factor. It's the responses to this richness in melanin. That's a factor. And so we need to begin to shift our focus away from that somehow or another my blackness or the fact that I am considered to be a member of a particular racial group, that that in itself places me at risk. It's the responses to my blackness, to my group membership that would place me at risk. I asked Dr. Borum about the impact that the last few months can have on the mental health of Black Canadians, given the context of social isolation from COVID-19 and the summer of protests around police brutality and other social inequities that are connected, things like affordable housing and Indigenous rights. And like a true academic, she told me that that would make a really interesting research question. But at a high level, there are a couple things that come to mind. 
you know, protest is a means of continuously saying that this system is unjust and that systemic changes need to take place. And this is even at a time where Blacks are disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 and is not simply because of pre-existing conditions, because if you look at the pre-existing conditions, it'll also tie in with anti-Black racism and also the social isolation that takes place. And if you look at it within the cultural realms of Blackness, where mental health can, can be something where if, if there are negative impacts on uh, mental health, some of the ways to help to solidify those impacts or to, to respond would like take place, for example, in, in church, right? And so now with the pandemic, uh, you could still, you know, go online to, to receive some of the church, but it's not the same as being gathered with others and being able to hug and to talk and to, you know, commune with. And then also with friends, with family, with um, social support networks. Yeah, we really need to begin to look much more carefully at that. And because social isolation can increase, um, say, feelings of depression. To learn more about initiatives funded through the government's $4.9 million investment, information is available on the Public Health Agency of Canada's website and their background or document for the Mental Health of Black Canadians Fund. Dr. Borum's story and insights speak to the importance of receiving proper care from mental health professionals and how it fits into the broader fight against anti-Black racism. She leaves us with these final thoughts. Part of mental health for Blacks is being able to see the world from a perspective that is grounded in Blackness, Black life, Black culture. It's a type of psychological and mental freedom that is connected to Black freedom. So that no matter what occurs around me, having that uh, foundation provides me with a freedom that can't be stolen. This is Sam Darmasena, and you're listening to CJRU 1280 AM here in Toronto. This story is part of the Local Journalism Initiative, a project by the Community Radio Fund of Canada.